0: Well I've never self-funded anything myself so it's always been with partners so I suppose yeah there's a fear factor in in there but again I feel confident, confident about the product that I give and how I want that to be put out into the market and I don't think it's just going to be another eatery, I think it's going to be something more than that.
1: Opening a restaurant is an epic venture, a project that is always beset with ups and downs. It's a minefield of plans, plans derailed, endless compliance, permits, unforeseen expenses, building snafus, supply problems, creative blocks, and staffing challenges. It's also about making dreams come to life, to see something in your mind's eye, to make it happen, and hopefully to experience the enormous satisfaction of bringing fresh joy to new customers. In this special series, we are following the journey of chef and restaurateur Martin Burtz as he works towards opening Short Grain, an Asian food store, providor and eatery. Marty is going back to Brisbane where he grew up and he's planning to open in August. Let's see how he goes.
0: Hi, I'm Marty Burtz and I am going to share with you the start and the finish of building a new Asian food store and eatery which I'm going to open in Brisbane in August. That is sort of the date that I really would like to to start trading in so um, yeah it'll be a fun few months of talking trades and um, trades food and seeing if um, I've got enough money to actually open this joint up.
1: Martin Burtz is a leading Australian chef a master of contemporary Thai and Southern Chinese food with a unique vision and energy. Perhaps best known for his 14 years at Longgrain, first in Sydney and then also in Melbourne, he was also lauded for his leadership at game-changing Sailor's Thai, where he was the head chef for owner and Thai food maestro David Thompson. Marty's most recent venture was the Cook's Shed on the Hawkesbury, a produce-driven eatery and function centre which he ran for a decade. It was country, but it was far from easy.
0: I um, decided last year, sort of after the fifth flood in in the Hawkesbury, to um, put the property, put my property, on the market after ten years of hard toil, really. And um, and in doing so, it was sort of uh, a few months that it took to sell the property, and so. Uh, I was very fortunate to actually have all of my staff stay with me until the bittersweet end and, um, and give a consistent product until we had our last service. and that was really an amazing part of finishing at the cook shed because I was really worried about like people dropping off and and not, um, and not seeing it through till the end with me. And I was really fortunate that that happened. And I left the property on the 27th of September in 2022 and decided to move to Brisbane. Uh, so I stayed on the Gold Coast for about six weeks. And I also had some family stuff going on in Brisbane. So I, I could attend those, um, those things in that time, which was great. And also have a really good think about what my next chapter was going to be. I did actually have an idea in my head, and the idea was to go back to Asia, to my, my Asian roots, because that's something that obviously I had done for a long time um, previously at Long Grain and Sailors Thai and Dali Strait Thai, so I'd sort of accumulated over 20 years' experience cooking Thai food, so I thought, you know, why don't you just go back and do that, and I do love it, and so... My idea in my head was to buy a little corner shop and make my produce and jar jar curry paste and um, make sauces and have a really tiny little eatery in the store and just sort of have a few stuff and be a bit of a, you know, just enjoy rather than be tortured by <laughs> having... Um, Having another restaurant or having loads of staff, and in that process, I started looking at um, looking at places to um, that were for lease and for sale, and I came across this really great building in Fortitude Valley, and it had just been renovated by some developers back to its original um, facade, and it, well, the interior is just is just empty, it's just an empty shell. And I fell in love with it because it was sort of reminiscent of what Long looked like before we did anything to it and also Long Melbourne. So it was a bit bigger than I thought. And, um, yeah, it was just like, I think I really like this building. And um, so I decided to sort of see if I could secure it. And, and I, I just recently have signed the lease, so signed the lease about 10 days ago. Um, So instead of a little corner shop, it's actually quite a large 225 square metre site um, in an old building that was once um, a building that made um, linen and clothing, actually, um, in the mid-1850s and then uh, later turned into a big warehouse of Chinese goods and it also had a Chinese supermarket in it. So it's sort of going back to its roots, really, and so the the um, the owners um, were really keen on me going in there. Well, because I took I, it was actually two tenancies and I took both of them the t- last year remaining, and um, and so I have to put a kitchen in and toilets and and I've just had an architect and a friend of mine who is a designer um, design the space with me, and I'm really are really looking forward to getting this project underway.
1: Martin toiled at the Cook's Shed for a long, fun, hard, heartbreaking, satisfying, and at times unthinkable decade. When COVID rolled in, it was the toughest times of all, or at least that's what Marty thought until the floods. He talks about the highs and the lows.
0: After 10 years of the Cook's Shed from farming the land to doing events without a kitchen and just doing makeshift events with, um, you know, our best cooking tool was a paella pan. Um, and then finally getting the kitchen built after a lengthy council um, battle to actually build a building um, onto the shed that housed the kitchen and, and bathrooms. Um, and we have <laughs> The funny thing was the first event that we did was which was a wedding on the thirteenth of March twenty 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 twenty. Um and that was just days before Sydney shut itself down and everything sort of got shut down. And I sort of sat there in the new space thinking what in the hell am I going to do now? And the girl, the girls who work with me, Madeline and Wendy, were with me, and I'd, I'd just crack a bottle of champagne, and I'll cook some lunch, and we'll just have to have a think about this one. But I was thinking about also chefs, oh, and looking at what chefs were doing in Europe, because obviously it had happened there already—the shutdowns and and the COVID and everything—and I'm I'm thinking, well, you know, a few days later, I had to, I I just couldn't think of what it was that we were going to do. I came back um, after hibernating for a few days in to the shed and said to the girls, why don't we give takeaway a go? And so we got through COVID um, doing produce boxes, making curries, making different meals every weekend, selling those value adding using project produce from around the area, including bread and eggs and, school prawns and whatever i could get my hands on um to value add to the boxes and people were really appreciative and that is what got me through the COVID section and then we had a lot of weddings that were backlogged that we could that we were going to do so we started doing those once we could do weddings again and that's when the flooding started and i and after the fifth flood as i said before i just i had to i I couldn't do it any i just couldn't fathom Canceling any more events and refunding people's money, so I, I thought, you know what, I'm I'm done. And all the staff said, actually, don't know how you actually got to this point and didn't give up. But it was a dream. It was my dream, and I didn't ever want to sell. It was it was a work in progress. And a, and after ten years to have the kitchen built, have some of the landscaping done, there was still so much more to do in my mind. Like building a house and building a jetty, and so people could arrive by boat and um, so many, and going back to farming as well, because I sort of gave that up to do the um, to do the events, because I just couldn't do both, um, and the events would have ena- enabled me, and that was in the plan to hire a proper gardener and and have more of an infrastructure to be planting out the fields um, and to utilize that um, the food from our, what we'd grown um, back into the menus that we were giving um, to the people at events and functions that we were doing. So, yeah, it was a big decision, but um, yeah, after the flooding, I, I just couldn't do anymore. So I decided to sell, and luckily I actually did sell the property, and, um, and they are going to continue it on as an event space. So I'm, I wish them all the best of luck. I think the farm found me. It was something that – and it evolved, like, with the old buildings and all, and the big sheds and everything. I wasn't keen on those when I first saw them. Um, but then suggest my – well, a great friend, Victoria Alexander, suggested, why don't you make this into an event space? And that's when it started. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Of course I could do that. But then, you know, I was trying to get away from doing – events because i wanted to farm so and then but i still had another big shed so that kept all the machinery and i had my office in there and also had all the washing facilities and the big cool room so that shed was being utilized for that but then we had another big shed that could easily have been used for events which then turned into a, to the event space in the cook shed um i remember walking into the long grain melt uh sorry long grain Bruce, um sydney and um i first saw that at the beginning of 1999 and it was just one I drove in the front door was actually a roller door and you could drive into the space because it was actually um a mechanics store for a while so you could actually I drove into that um big open space and um Sam and the other partner measured it had everything measured out with tape and said this is how the kitchen's gonna be and this is where the bar was and And that felt really good because I'd never seen a restaurant in an old warehouse before. And Melbourne was the same, but it was, I mean, it was even bigger because we had an upstairs area that one day would have been a bar. And um, so, yeah, they all had really good, spacious feelings about them.
1: When we catch up with Martin, he's just signed the lease and he's feeling expansive and dreamy. He expounds his vision for Short Grain. It's a new style of business for a new phase of his life.
0: The store is going to be called Short Grain, a um, bit of a nod to well, the building used to be um, a Chinese storehouse and also a Chinese supermarket. Plus, um, also, um, and a nod to Long Grain, which I founded in 1999 and was head chef, executive chef until 2013. So I, going back to my Thai roots you know, I want to sell Asian green vegetables and I want to have raw ingredients there plus um, dry goods plus my own product. Um, And then you can eat there as well, as I said, and have a sympathetic wine list to Asian food. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with or ask the question, you know, what wines can I drink with this food? Because obviously some totally don't work with it. And then others do. And I want to curate a small list that I will sell in-house as in to the dining customers, and also be able to sell those to people that want to take it home and have the whole experience in their, in their, at a dinner party at their place. Um, So beer and wine, um, international um, list rather than just an Aussie list. Um, And so, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a one-stop, um, one-stop shop for a Thai dinner, for example, if you wanted to take it home. So if there's a curry that has protein in it that you can warm up, come into the glass cool room that you can walk into and, and pick the vegetables that will go into that curry and value add to it and, you know, finish it with Thai basil and you can make a relish or, or whatever. And, you know, this beautiful bottle of Tramina will go perfectly with your green curry of pork or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm just about to embark on a new new phase of my life, but as I said, you know, this project is, it's an Asian food store that has an eatery in it, and um, I want to focus on the food store and sort of do it 50-50. So it'll be food that I've always enjoyed to cook, and, um, and I just want people to just come in and have a bit of an experience in the store and also in being able to come in and eat. Um, a lot of people are asking if we're going to have a cocktail bar, and the answer is no. <laughs> At the moment, you never, never know.
1: One of the major milestones in launching a hospitality project is negotiating and signing the lease. Martin tells us how he approached it.
0: Look, I, I really asked. I sat in the I sat in the room um, three times, and sat in there for an hour to make sure that the feeling that I might, the feeling I had was right. It wasn't just something that I was sort of feeling at a time. But I made myself sit in that room, and every time I sat in there, it just felt like I wanted to be there and I wanted to do this project. Um, it's in a really good spot um, in this just on the outskirts of the city and in the valley. So just near Chinatown in, well, what was Chinatown in Brisbane. And, um, yeah, I, I just have to ask, I had to ask myself a, a lot of times, uh, is this what you really want to do? And also, and the process was good. The, one of the, um, I had somebody negotiate the deal for me. Um, so that was a friend of a friend. And then just everything sort of fell into place quite well so it all flowed to a point where I signed the lease and felt really confident about what I was doing nothing was nothing was hard about it and I also didn't have to go through council so obviously I have to have council approval to do what I'm doing um in the food um section but I don't have to have council approval. it's already been approved to be an um an 3 restaurant slash bar so I don't have to go through that process again
1: it's decades since Martin Burts has lived in Brisbane. He has particular ideas about what he wants to bring to the city he grew up in, and he's relishing opening a business with family in the vicinity.
0: Brisbane's really grown up, and I think that there's definitely um, a space for what I'm doing. I'm, I don't, it's not being done here. I don't think it's really been done in Sydney or Melbourne either, as in a, like a thai food store plus of thai eatery run by a white boy um so i'm hoping that with the design and and everything it will be something that um people are saying yeah this is great it's a it's it's an experience the experience should be about like you're coming into my home and you're you can go into the kitchen and you can eat here and and there's a sense of being looked after so, and Brisbane, I th- yeah, I I've, I've, I grew up here, and I've come back because of some family issues, and which are fine. And I I'm glad to sort of have some family around me again because I didn't sort of have that in Sydney, and um, and I'm looking forward to yeah doing this project. But again, it's it's a big it's a big city, and it's grown up and. And things are happening here, so I'm I'm really happy to be once again part of like a city's um, eating scene.
1: In many ways, what business owners decide not to do is more important than what they say yes to. Martin talks about the challenges of staying on brief and on budget.
0: There's always a challenge. Um, I think the challenge for me, and I keep telling myself this every day, is don't turn it into a restaurant, like it is an eatery but it's also a store so and i know myself i'm generous and i want to make everyone happy but i want to be able to give that experience of two things so that's my own challenge for myself um and also i'm on a tight budget so i need to make sure that i um don't go overboard in fixtures and fittings um but I still want it to be pretty because I'm going to be there all the time, and it is an old, beautiful building, and it has got the most amazing windows. So um, a, the the aesthetic is is there as you know, high ceilinged, big windowed room um, that is going to be um, a really good space for both of those eat, read, um, shop things. So. I'm, um, yeah. I just, I just want to be um, sympathetic to what, what it is, what it was, and um, just being very careful on, on choosing my finishes. <laughs>
1: there is romance and excitement about opening an eatery and food store in his old hometown, but Martin Burtz has to be canny about the business side. He talks about the nitty-gritty and the importance of getting expert help when necessary.
0: To have survived COVID and being on a farm in, you know, quite a long way out of Sydney and being able to get through that section without, well, it was always a struggle. Um, I have to say, you know, in those few last few years, I didn't pay myself. I just paid the staff and paid my mortgage and everything else so it'll be nice to be able to have a wage again (laughs) and um uh my thing and i've said this and somebody once told me always surround yourself with the right people because you can't do everything and i've i've got um a wonderful accountant and bookkeeper and and somebody back of house to do all of my recipe um testing and also costings and because that's not my to, oh, it's not my strength. Um, I can write a recipe. Sure, um, I'm very generous. So I, I just want to make sure that um, I stick to a um, stick to a plan and stick to and also because we're putting things in jars and into and wanting to sell curries in tetra packs and, and whatever else I'm going to put um, in the shop section. Um, it does have to stick to a formula because I'm not going to be making everything, and people do have to um, read recipes and, um, make sure that everything's consistent. So, um, that's, that's going to be a challenge as well, but, um, with the right equipment and the right kitchen facilities and making sure that everything, um, runs smoothly, I'll be there all, you know, I'll always be there all the time at the beginning as I always am. Um, I think, yeah, it'll work.
1: Keeping costs reined in is crucial for any new business. Martin talks tin tax.
0: I have got a budget um, because I'm self funding, um, and it's seven hundred and fifty thousand. And it has—that's what it has to do. I have to open open the doors without spending any more than that. I have to trade only having spent that. I built the farm kitchen, and obviously that was more than just it was a building plus everything inside it, it wasn't tables and chairs because I already had bought that, but building a building from scratch, um, that was a million dollars. Um, so I'm hoping that 750 will furnish, build, fit out the kitchen, employ and get us going. And also there's an incentive from within that, from the landlord, um, which I can't really say, but that's within that 750, um, which is great. Plus, um, I have three months rent free when we start trading. So I've had, I've got an architect and, and a designer and I've had to do a new logo. Well, obviously started looking for a new logo, which I've just signed off on. Uh, and also, um, there's fees that go into, you know, with the architect, um, not just his fees but um for um the council to come up come out and make sure that the building's all certified. The certifier has to be paid. Um also a structural engineer for the hoods and everything that need to be fitted into the kitchen. Um and I think the structural engineer also has to do work out where all the plumbing's going to go. So that is another fee. Um so fees to date, approximately, um, uh, I've already spent $35,000 without doing anything. <laughs> um, and then I've had to also um, pay a bond of three months' rent. Um, so, yeah, we're already over 100000 spent. It's my money. I'm trying not to, I I don't want to borrow any money.
1: There are benefits to being self-funded, but it's also scary. How does Martin balance the delights of independence with the terror of no safety net?
0: Well, I've never self-funded anything myself, so it's always been with partners. So this, even at the farm, I did have some silent partners to help me build my kitchen. Um, But the the land itself was my my property um so there's yeah i I suppose yeah there's a fear factor in in there um but again i feel confident confident about the product that i give and how i want that to be um be put out into the market and i don't think it's just going to be another I think it's going to be something more than that. So I, I, I think it's always a point. It should all, for me, a point of difference. Like the farm was something that I've, you know, even though other people had done you know, farm, farm restaurant-y things in other parts of the world. I, I, yeah, I, I really depended on locals during the time of the, of the COVID and also the flooding, and I was really supported really well by them um and i'm hoping that in the area where the where short grain's going to be i'll be again supported by locals because they'll love coming in and and maybe just having a curry and rice and a glass of wine and grabbing something to take home for the next day or whatever and and have that have that feel i want it to have that feeling where they feel comfortable to come in whenever they feel like it really
1: Working towards opening means addressing a long list of things to do. Day by day, week by week, month by month. Martin shares what's next.
0: Over the next weeks, I am uh, getting elevations drawn by the architect, um, finalising the actual space, what it will look like. Um, Kitchen equipment, um, pricing. Um, I'm trying to do only induction in the kitchen. So I'll be one of the first restaurants maybe in Australia to have induction woks. Um so that's something um through a company called BNS. They I've always bought my woks through them, so they've just got a new prototype coming out of a of induction wok. So I'm hopefully going to be using those in in the store. Um and, yeah, just sourcing furniture and, um, and that sort of thing. So the next few, basically the next few weeks is just kitchen and layout and um, finalising drawings and getting, um, getting quotes from builders.
1: Stay with us over the coming weeks and months as we follow Martin Burtz and the development of Short Grain. Will he stay on budget? Will the curveballs come? And will he be able to stay true to his vision as he gets closer to offering hungry, spice-loving Brisbaneites, rice, curry, a glass of wine, and some more curry paste to take home? This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well,